Hello and welcome to episode number six of the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. I'm Chris Madison. This is brought to you, well, from my end of the equation, from the glamorous settings of the uh, Travel Lodge round Spinney in Northampton, because I am on a driver CPC course tomorrow about smart motorway. Oh, God. I'm sending you a special man hug. <laughs> it should be all right. The, the company, um, I did a course a few weeks ago, which was a refresher for your operator CPC. And that was actually a really good driver CPC course because it had on it um, a couple of guys from a truck dealer. I had an owner driver who'd been hauled over the coals by the DVSA and the transport manager and one of the directors from a kind of medium-sized transport company. So the good thing about the course was there was a lot of discussion and debate going back and forth about stuff and I picked up quite a lot out of it. Which you obviously, it's known that in a lot of CPC courses you may come out uh, knowing less than when you went in. <laughs> well, this is the issue. I mean, you, you know, you went on a proper grown up, genuine CPC course as opposed to these things that everybody's forced to do that are nonsense. And they are nonsense. Yeah, it's You've got lads that have been doing this job 25, 30, maybe 40 years in some instances. I mean, to go and listen to some guy called Derek rattle on and tell them how to get in and out of a cab, keeping three points of contact at every time. It is. It's utter nonsense. It is. It's not helpful, that sort of stuff. So There's definitely scope for drivers to do training, just to keep people on the right side of um, the law, if anything else. So there were two news stories which have been all over social media over the last couple of days. The first one being there was the guy in the lorry who did a U-turn on a slip road and then went back up the slip road to turn around on the M6. I watched it today. I, it, he executed that with impeccable skill, I thought. <laughs> to be fa- I mean, to be fair to him, yes, it was a highly skilled and accurately performed manoeuvre, yeah. albeit it completely illegal and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But I've, um, I've seen Warborough's lads get stuck in Asda car parks before now, and I might turn around on slip roads. That took some doing. I was interested to see that he's got some porridge for that. Nobody was injured, nobody died, there was no incident, but he's inside. Yeah, he's got the jail for I, it. I could understand a couple of years ban perhaps and a major you know, a major sort out and a bit of a talking to afterwards, but prison time when there's no victim? Well I wonder the the Hollier hasn't been named and neither the driver hasn't been named either, and I find that rather odd because it was a guy who got caught doing ninety miles an hour on an actress rolling yeah. down a hill on the yeah. A sixty six, and everybody found out who he was. So it was a bit yeah. odd because I've watched it time and time again. Um, if anybody's listening that hasn't seen it, it's on the Truck and Driver page, and it's all over social media where the guy comes down the slip road, realises he's made a mistake, U turns on the slip road, and then drives back up it, and then kind of angles the car. It's a fairly skilled manoeuvre. It's not one for the faint of heart. And then he turns around and gets on his way and he's been given several months in jail for it. But yeah, I wonder why has the driver not been named? Why has the operator not been named? Because I watched it loads of times because I was trying to see if I could identify the truck and it, it looks like a British truck. It's just plain white setup, so I, I don't know. It's impossible to tell. Make, it looks like an old Axe or an Actros. Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, who's running old kit in plain white? It's a curious one, that. And then the, the other thing that was... Um, to the great disdain of everybody who drives a lorry, North, I think it was at Northwest Motorway Police that had stopped a curtain cider, oh, which yeah. was full of a curtain cider, which was full of um, plastic coiled plastic, pipe, yeah. which weighs nothing, and they'd basically done them for an insecure load. But a lot of people said that thing could go over it, that could roll five times down a hill, and the pipe isn't coming through the curtain. That's the least of your worries about anything, and it's also very hard to yeah, strap. Exactly. So, the only did you f- notice? 
12 hours afterwards, they found the guy with the roll cages in the back sliding about, and they sort of they publicised that they'd done him for an insecure load as well, but they turned down the language and they were all a bit more explanatory about why they'd done him and all this. And you could see in that load that, you know, anything that's on casters in back of a bloody tort line ought to be strapped down. It seemed like mitigation for making themselves look like Billy Big Balls the first time round with a pipe job. There's no way you could strap that pipe down without using some... Really small, light rope. Well, not all that you would be expected to do is to run a load of internal straps and just hang them there, which isn't going to do anything anyway. The the only thing that you can really... You get internal nets, which um, I used to deal with. I say deal with because they were very difficult to run with mixed freight because you couldn't get the bloody things over high pallets. That would be the only thing there, but it's like... By the letter of the law, it's not legal, but then again, stuff like that, you should just turn a blind eye to it because I used to run well it happens every few months this where you get a police account that posts up something like ah look we've done somebody for that then everybody goes crazy and there was one it was a guy who had um, like polystyrene boards like insulation boards in the curtain cider and you can't strap them because they're polystyrene and you would crush them and again you could pick them up and throw them in yourself and he got done for an insecure load with that and then you know there needs to be uh, there needs to be a little bit of scope for very light Awkward loads inside yeah. of curtain siders like that because there just doesn't. There are so many of his yeah. drivers out there who are just running thinking, "Oh, please don't stop me," because what they're carrying by the letter of the law is illegal, but is not unsafe. It's a definition. I mean, you know, they've got to prove beyond reasonable doubt um, that it is an insecure load. It's not. It's in there. It can't get out. It can't come through the curtains. It can't get through the roof or the back doors. Thus. To my mind, it's not an insecure load. I mean, they've done people in the past for insecure loads for uh, for losing ratchet strap handles off catwalk. You know, they've done people for bits dropping off the wagon as an insecure load. Fair enough. If it parts company with vehicle on motorway anywhere and it does bounce down road and they catch you, then it is, to all intents and purposes, even if it's a diesel cap going through somebody's windscreen, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an insecure load. It's as part of company. But that stuff is not going to come out of there if you pick it up and shake it. No, it's so, not. That's... It's, you know, these lads that get this, somebody needs to stand up and say, OK, well, I'll have my day in court then. Let's see where we go with this one. I think so, because you get load-bearing curtains as well. But because with load-bearing curtains, if, you, if you're if you dropping things on multi-drop, it's only load-bearing if it's, like, front to back and, like, packed in there. As soon yeah. as you've got half a trailer worth, then it ceases to be load-bearing. Mm. But, yeah, it's a bit... I haven't really... Of all the curtain side work that I've done, you could say that everything coming out the pallet hubs at, at night, if they wanted to stop everything coming out there, by the letter of the law, it would probably be illegal. But how many of these pallets shift? How many problems do you have in general? None, because it, it just yeah. doesn't move anywhere. It's it's okay. Yeah. So uh, so that was um, the two big news stories of the week. What I did do, because there was a lot of... I've set up Google Alerts, which means you can type in keywords and then google will send you an email every day telling you any news stories so i've typed in lorry lorries hgv and all that to see yeah there were no nice stories came up it was lorry crash lorry crash lorries have driven over somebody's flower bed because there's a road closure and now the residents are angry and i would like it if there was some good news stories yeah a few more of those what's all going on we were think we were I think I might have said last week we were going to discuss truck shows and everything, but mm. on Friday it took me nine and a half hours to drive home from Sutton, where the truck and driver HQ is, to get back home to Scotland. So I was home rather late and I was full of the cold as well, which I picked up in Copenhagen last week. So that's my excuse for not having done that yet. So we'll do that next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go through all the shows. 
that was fun in games getting home. That was that was like pushing on nine and a half hours and nine and a half hours in the car is longer ah. and it's more it's more tiring ah. than nine and a half hours driving a truck. I had a blameless day on Friday. It's um it's, I'm famous up and down the internet, I think, for Friday pineapple. Oh yeah. Which gets inserted regularly. Friday, perfect day. A textbook perfect day, apart from being soaked to the bloody skin in uh, East Kilbride at nine o'clock. And then I've been to have Night Eater on from East Kilbride down to 42 at Carlisle where I stopped and got changed. Where were you at East Kilbride? Coca-Cola. Oh, that's just up. That's where the transport news offices are for us. I used to go into Sainsbury's quite a lot in East Kilbride. I ran up to Les at night before. We'd only got nine tonne on nine hoppers of flavouring on and then I brought a full load of uh, stainless hoppers to go back to Germany out. So it was straightforward. And for a Coca-Cola depot, I have to say, top lads. Absolutely top lads. I'm used to Wakefield and the torture that the, uh, that, that can entail, but <laughs> up there, brilliant. Straight in. Now then, chap, we don't see many Fodens, etc., etc. And then he says, right, open her up, get back in your cab. He says, no point you standing there getting any wetter than you have to be. And then, uh, bang, tipped, reloaded. He says, can I strap up here or do I have to go to some obscure strapping up zone? He says, no. He says, fill your boots. So, got strapped up, corded, and then... Uh, Got rattling on, but we were wet. I mean, we were mm. just a little bit wet. This was sort of dolphin wet. So I had to have night eater on and air conditioning on, windows down a crack. Because uh, I'd have had diphtheria by the time I got down past uh, Beetock, I think. But anyway, mentioning Beetock, it was plainly too wet and windy for any of those boys to be out on the pulling teams on uh, Friday. Todd Hills, Beetock, Scotch Corner, oh. all shut. Beetock was open today when I came, when I drove down. This, of course, being recorded on Sunday. Yeah, BTIC was open when I came down and going like a fairground because they were making up for lost time. That wind, because we had Storm Kira and then Storm Dennis, but the wind that was just there, I reckon that was as bad as, if not worse. There was a truck on its side. There was an MAN with a curtain cider on it on its side beside um, Tinto Hill on the way up to Lanark, yeah. which I was uh, I was quite surprised at there. I've never seen a truck go over there before, but clearly that's been done by the wind. And I kinda, When I was driving... Mm. Driving home on Friday, I really felt for some of these boys because the car was getting blown about all over the place. Mm. One of the my namesake Gary Rankin, who works for uh, Drummond, said that was not a nice rundown because they they're up and down the M6 with cutting siders all the time, and a lot of the time they're not particularly heavy what they've got on. Yeah, I followed a Drummond down on um, Friday in a ten tonner, and he was uh, he was getting a bit as we came down towards Lockerbie. He was getting slapped about a bit, but it wasn't that bad to be honest on on six. Then we got on to. 66 and obviously we've got a following win then i thought right marvelous let's be on so you know whistled over at 66 right up until point between what used to be small ways in and uh scotch corner when a volvo from bratford were coming to the way with a double decker on and he he got taken out at the top of hill yeah. uh, going west as i'm coming up towards him he just got it and he got a major wag on and that was it over and into trees at middle so that was shut for hours from then on did you see him um, go in Aye. Oh, dear. Aye. There were a van, like a transit Luton type contraption, about two miles in front of him as well, and uh, that were embedded into the central reservation. That had obviously had a bit of a puff from left-hand side. They are... So as we got oh. as we got right across the east side, wind had swung round, and wind were coming off Dales and coming across Newsom that way and blowing up and across, and that's what you know that's what sort of took us by surprise because it had been a following wind all the way across. And as we came round Hotel Roundabout to drop down onto southbound alpha one just got nicely going half a mile down there and there was a gust that sounded like i'd, I'd lost a tire 
it was a, it was it, it exploded bang and it bloody livened me i tell you i uh, oh. i stopped texting put my sandwich down stopped doing my knitting everything and went <laughs> on to wheel as you do i had 15 minutes at that so i, I just chopped into leaming bar for a half hour to get a full shift then to get back but you know after that really i mean dishworth can be a bit spicy at times but all the way down here when it were only pretending to be windy then oh good well, but that lad going west with that volvo by god dearie me did you get it on your dash cam not that i'm like what not that i'm wanting to be like gruesome and go and watch somebody's misfortune but just occurred to me how, you, how be, you getting right? on with your dash cam well, I've, I've managed to figure out how to get the thing to light up red as though it's recording. So it's recording, but I've no idea if it's recording properly. Have you got a card the on it? Like a 32 gig memory card? Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. The instruction booklet that comes with it is like pigeon English. It's nonsense. So um, <laughs> I will have to spit the card out and bring it home and see if I can get some sort of adapter to fit it into the laptop so I can download it. It's, um, it's a bigger card slot in here so I'll, I'll need some adapter did it come with the card, the card come, into this. did it come with the card and the camera I've got a few of those adapters in the house if you haven't got yeah, one I'll post you one no adapter. I should just, it should, yeah, I'll right. just overwrite as it keeps going it'll keep overwriting what's ever in there because I, I had mine running in the car on Saturday in the roadworks at the M6 because there was a crash on the M42 a crash in the M6 and there was a crash in the M25 right at the start, so I could never get going. I never saw any of it. I don't know, everything was cleared away by the time I got there. The only thing that came past was a Volvo FH behind me, and he was indicating ages to get out, and then somebody, like a car didn't let him out, so he was on with a horn, and he came out charging up behind this car, which had like a young woman in it, um, and he was sitting like right up behind her, and I was like, mm, that doesn't look great, mate. It would have looked, if you just watched the few seconds of footage of him going flying past, it would have looked horrendous. And it just made me think that, you know, there's so many people with dash cams these days that you've got to give some thought to getting into minor road rage incidents in the M6. Aye. It's that easy to get in trouble. Yeah. Oh, because I've just remembered there was a third story this week, which was in the news, which was a driver got uh, sacked for eating cereal while driving down the motorway. Someday spotted him and videoed him on their phone. So he was sitting with his like, elbows on the steering wheel eating some cereal. Which side were they sitting at when they videoed him? I think it was a passenger. I think it was oh, well, Mabel and Burton. And they were, out and Aye. They were yeah. like just really shocked that he was he was eating his cereal while um, driving, sort of holding it down the road. And it's like, mm. So everybody's watching you and everybody's out to get you. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, imagine if you could eat a yoghurt without a spoon. Well, you can. You'd be a legend. Yeah, but if you could get right to the bottom of the pot without a spoon with just your tongue, you'd be a legend. You want to be videoed doing that. Maybe I can. Might be worth three points. Maybe you can. (laughs) (laughs) We need to see video footage. If there's no video, it didn't happen. Dash cam footage. Anyway, there was an update as well, because I spoke to Iveco last week, and they have decided that the Stralis is free and we can have it for two weeks which was lovely, and I was like, I want it for a week, then I want Chris to have it for a week, and they were like, right, okay, fine. And then I looked at the calendar, and I'm like, oh, God, because I'm, like, the work is ramping up in preparation for summer and everything that trucking drivers doing, and I'm like, how am I going to do this? Because I don't think I can go go tramping in it for a week in the same way that I did with the Renault, because I want to do some video stuff with it and try and do something a bit different that I've not tried before for trucking driver. I'm supposed to be having it from the 9th, 
onward, and then you were going to have it from the yeah. 16th, which is Stralis XP570, which has been Iveco's own truck, mm. a very lightly used demonstrator, but obviously it's about to get put out to grass with the impending arrival of the S-Way. I'm trying to blag yeah. my way into driving a new... One of the first right-hand drive S-Ways driving it from Basildon, which is Iveco's headquarters, up to the CV show at the end of April, which I hope will work out. But in the meantime, yeah, that, that Stralis... Yeah, because that's only like two weeks away from now. I'll have to do a lot of work to be able to go and go in my jollies mm. and go and drive that for a week. I shall yep. have to think. I don't know how king is because I want to go out and about and do some different stuff. Well, I could go and trunk it. I could go and fire it in somewhere. I could go and put it into Pollux and run it up down the road and be home every night. But it's not really yeah. in the spirit of things because I've got... Yeah. The Volvo launch in a week's time as well, the Volvo FM launch, which I may podcast from there on the Monday night. I'll do my best to abuse it horribly for you for a week did you, anyway. Did you see the... Vo- Assuming was- the old girl is still here to go get painted by then. Yes. What's, what's the latest then? What's the latest in the new truck saga? Where do we stand at this point with Ford and replacement? Um, I don't want to say too much just at the moment, but we've got some, some excitement in the camp uh, currently. We'll see where we are tomorrow with that one. I've just um, I've gone off on a complete tangent here. I've just uh, let heart rule head update next week, perhaps. I don't want to mm. say anything else, really. But no, that's all right. Yes, that'll be something to something to look forward to. Well, the thing yeah. the thing is, we're being a, we're being an owner driver. The whole point is that you can have a truck that you like, and you're you spend most yeah. of your life in the bloody thing anyway. Yeah. So exactly. you may as well have something which you enjoy driving. It's you know you could go and. Mm. You could go and maximise your theoretical profitability if you went and got yourself like a little flat roofer, um, four hundred horsepower thing or something like that. Or, but why mm. would you? You know, there has to be a a happy medium. Then yeah. I right, one for next week. Then so remember that. Right? Yeah, well, some days, some days have enough trouble getting out the door as we are. But you know, if we're going to get out the door and go get in a plain white Renault, and um trudge about in fleet mode all day I probably probably wouldn't go out again that'd be it so um, I just saw something that took my fancy and I thought you know I could um, I could see me keeping that for 15 years again so um, yeah I'll let you know looking forward to that update well I'll know on Monday anyway <laughs> but I'm sure the listeners will be interested to find out as well what's going on with that how are we doing for rounding up bodies for Tipex? Yeah, the Tipex and Tankex Drivers Day. Um, I put a post on Facebook on Friday and quite a few people popped up with pictures of things and I asked them, do you actually want to go? And I need to go and check that out and see who's wanting to all go to that because I was in meetings again last week about yeah. everything that's going on with truck and drivers. So I've got that to do, which should be really good because I said my boss said, he says, oh, you know, if you want to get them a couple of beers on the Friday night, and I'm like... Pfft. Okay, mm. company credit card. Not that I have one. I would have to get one, but yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the three that I know about are definites anyway. The the new Fellbinder tanker at the back of that mm. nice Merc 510. He's he's confirmed. He's definitely coming. He's got official yay. And we've got the Merc SK, the the little rigid farm tipper. That's a definite, and I'll come. So yeah, I think we'll... if you uh, if you need me to keep prodding away at people. Ah, go for it. No, that'd be, that'd be handy. I'll go and update that. I'll go and have a little look because there's that coming up. And I tell you, we've got a lot of stuff going on in Truck and Driver in the next few months mm. as well because we've got, we are having, the owner-driver issue is June, which I'm looking forward to doing. Loads of owner-driver's trucks in there. Uh, the August issue is going to be a bumper issue. It's going to have like 
32 more pages in it than normal and we're going to be giving away loads of stuff, loads of merchandise and tickets and exciting things, goodies. And that is comes out on the 26th of June, so I've got a lot of work to do on that. And then there's a convoy issue. And then I've got a V8 special issue um, in October, making my rod for my own back with these um, themed issues. just like to think I'm creating like Pink Floyd's mm. The Wall, you know, but in truck form. <laughs> but I tell you what, we put the magazine to bed. Oh, we got a lot, of, really a lot of good feedback for the last issue, the March one with Chris Salas's grey Volvo in the cover. That went went down really well. Yeah. And the next one, wait till you see the cover for the next issue. It was, uh, I'm really, um, I'm quite proud of this one. Uh, it was an unusual month because until the credit crunch came um, and print media was like making so making so much more profits than what it does today. Everybody used to work in an office together, so you would be sitting there with your art editor and your production editor, and you would all sit and talk through things, and it would be a nice creative process. And by accident, that's what happened last week, and then on up to deadline, I had my art editor, Gareth, and I had a stand-in production uh, chap called Mike, and we were all sitting together at our desks, throwing ideas back and forth, and we came up with a really good cover for this issue, which I'm quite proud of. Um, I think Aye. I think we're definitely on a on a crest of a wave going into the summer with Truck and Driver. I'm quite pleased. Good. And of course, you're in it for two pages as well with your adventures. I'll tell you who I did speak to this week. There's a chap. If you watched the re-released version of Convoy on DVD, it came packaged with a documentary called Sam's Trucker Film which is a documentary about the making of Convoy, which is done by a chap called Mike Siegel, who is the he's a biographer for Sam Peckinpah, the director, and he's, yeah. he's done documentaries on Sam and all of his different films. So he did one on Convoy, and he had interviewed Chris Christopherson, Ali McGraw. He interviewed the chap that um, produced the movie and also Sam Peckinpah's assistant. So there was a really lot of background, really deep information about it so I emailed him and said would you like to come on my podcast and would yeah. you like to have an article yeah, done in the really. magazine and he said yes yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've got Mike Siegel to come on excellent at some point he says he's got he's got a lot of background information and photographs from um, the Convoy film which he seemed to be up for yeah I bet he seemed to be up for Brilliant. sharing with us so I was like I just about fell off my seat on Thursday when he emailed me All back right. and said yes whatever you would like to do so what we need to do as well, we need to go and look online and get you the Convoy book. Mm-hmm. The Convoy paperback, which is nothing like the film at all. Have we mentioned it in the podcast? I can't remember now. It does ring a bell, yeah. Well, what we're going to do is, as a side project to this, we're going to read the Convoy novel. Basically, dear listeners, so you don't have to, because it's awful. But it's great. <laughs> it's so, the thing that interests me is that the, the film, what, what they start with is a novelty song, and then you had the book, and I think... I'm not sure if the book came out before the film or yeah. after. I think before. And if that's what the source material is, somebody somewhere did a hell of a job improving getting the film to the way that it was because in the book, the rubber duck's an absolute... He's not a nice person at all and the, the story is just... Oh, but it, it's entertaining enough for us to deep dive it in great detail. So we need to get you the book because I've got a copy of it. Oh God, I'll look forward to that then. That is be all right. You you read you're a reader anyway, aren't you? You read you read books, don't you? I can read. Yeah, yeah despite uh, 
Rumours to the contrary, I can read. Yeah, I I went to a university, you know, don't you know? I should have gone to university. Two things there, I think, Mm. while I were there. Mm. I I should have gone to university, probably, but by the time I'd got to be age 17, I was that desperate to have a car so I could get a girlfriend, because I wasn't getting (laughs) one without some personal mobility, so I was just desperate for a job to go and like pay for a 1.2 Vauxhall Nova. That's Mm. how I... I had grand plans. Well, I didn't go. You didn't go to university? Until I was 24. I bailed out 24. I worked for Brocklehurst Transport in Dewsbury. And I thought, you know, I can't be doing with this. I wanted to go back into farming. So I went went to Askham Bryan College at York. I did three-year HND. And then I went and did a degree down at Harper Adams in Shropshire. So I finished. I managed to drag that out successfully till 2000. I, I, I finished in 2000, almost 28, 29-year-old. I had a hell of a good time because I'd, I'd, I'd worked from school. I did city and guilds agriculture from school on day release whilst milking thousands and thousands and thousands of cows. And um, I did want to go to college straight away, pretty much. But father, father were having none of it. I fell out with a long-term girlfriend 1996. I thought, right, that's it. Sold this. Sold up everything, horses, trailers, Everything done, dusted, and I went to Askham Bryan College. In the last year, you got maintenance grants and your fees paid, and I went with about 75 quid in a Montego, and then I uh, had a hell of a good time. So you, you imagine being at work from 16 straight through to 24 and being let out on a free pass to go to college and, lo- and live in and be paid for it. It was Amazing. Well, I did. I did a bit, to be fair, because I worked for Plum Centre from when I was seventeen till I was twenty-five, because I just was desperate yeah. to get a, desperate to get a car. My problem was at school that I was obsessed with cars and trucks and everything. But I was one of the youngest in my year, so basically everybody had passed a driving test before I did. So I was quite. By the time it came round, I was just absolutely dying to get in the road. So it was age twenty-five I got the job in Total Vauxhall magazine which is how I got into writing and journalism to begin with. And then uh, six weeks later, I moved down to Bath and started work there. So, you know, I can yeah, I, could, I can understand how that would have felt for you. <laughs> yeah, I'd go back tomorrow and do it again if I could. It's just really a lot of rugby, a hell of a lot of rugby, a lot of Thigstons, and then a couple of hours worrying a week about assignments. And that was all right. I soon got into stride with that one. And then, um, plus I got class one, you see, so... All my cohort were all working in McDonald's and behind bars and this and that, and I would disappear in on a Wednesday if we weren't playing rugby or a Thursday night more often. I worked for an agency in Leeds, a brilliant agency then called Freeway. I don't think they're still going, but we used to obviously ring me with all the weird stuff, you know, the one-offs, the one-hitters and, and this and that. They'd ring me and say, right, I've got one for you. And, I, you know, one week I'd be delivering brand-new bin wagons to Cambridge overnight and getting a train back to York. And then they'd ring me and say, oh, we've got a job for you, Elgin. I says, where the hell's Elgin? And it was a Lloyd Fraser job. And we'd go up to Elgin and park in Asda car park and they were refitting an Asda. So I'd have nine off while they tipped and reloaded me with fridges and freezers and then back down to Wakefield. It was all stuff like that. It was excellent. I did some right stuff for them. And I've got any of the mundane, you know, the mundane gubbins, like, you know, doing next cumbernal double manners or any of that. We did all sorts. I was on on Unfully Environmental in an old F12. It does. It sounds like a simpler times. Three weeks straight when Easter carting the human human product for Lee Environmental between Rotherham and Nostrop Treatment Works at Leeds. Human product? 
<laughs> Outpourings. Outpourings. Mm. There used to be a, um, an unmarked bulk of where we'd run up them six early hours of the morning and we were doing a lot of night trunking. And it was quite it was quite fast, so it could pass you. But I remember one night encountering, encountering that, and I don't know what it carried inside it, but it, whatever it was, it'd been dead for a long time. Mm. You know, if you went and bought, you just go and treat yourself to a three quid hot chocolate at three o'clock in the morning and plonk yourself down in the passenger seat because that's you finished and the other man takes over and then that thing crawls past you. Yeah. I'd, I'd never ever knew where that where that came from or where it went. It was like some sort of ghost truck. Mm. Uh, and the it's memory of it goes on. The memories of it pains me to this day. The smell We've got that was a crew coming here out at back of us up on tops at Penniston, uh, JG Pears Rendering Company. They were spotted at Newark and they were spotted up here at Bella Vista at Penniston. And uh, when their tippers go creeping by through Silkston at tea time, that tends to focus your mind as well. Oh, I said to set the bus, go and slow down, let him get away from us. Sitting there, Aye. letting them crawl past it, and they get <laughs> We were on with that job when foot and mouth kicked on. I run for Lee Environmental at Macclesfield. I, I ran a little. Um, 112, was it? Tiny little thing, like an ex Safeway scanner with a, a vacuum mm-hmm. tanker on. We're carting all sorts of stuff to field sites around Finninley at Doncaster. And we'd go to a tank in a field and pump into that, and there'd be a guy in a tractor injecting this stuff as fertilizer. So, you know, you'd have good days. We'd go to Pontefract and pick up tree bar, bassets, humbug, water. Smelled great, like toothpaste. Mm. We used to go to Tetley's in Leeds when uh, Tetley's was still there and pick up their waste yeast. Lovely. Great. Humbug water. Aye. That's a thing. It sounds like something from a Dickensian porno, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) But then you get the phone call that you didn't want and you have to go to Keypack Abattoir at Wakefield and you think, oh, God. And it's creeping amongst all these suburban terraces in Wakefield under cover of darkness in this tank because they had to keep this place as low-key as they could because obviously... Even then, people were starting to get a bit, oh, not in my backyard about mm. all this. So I had to tiptoe in there on a Friday tea time in dark in winter and just back up to this sump. And then we had to put exhaust from vacuum tanker into a massive tanker zooflora. So when I'm just sort of taking this stuff on slowly at 500, so it doesn't froth up and come through vents, and then, you know, I'm blowing vent into zooflora, thus creating a lovely smell around. Wakefield, as opposed to what you know, what we could have been doing, and then we'd have to creep off quietly and hope that we'd shut everything down because uh, spilling that stuff up and down would have been popular, as I I once discovered because I did. Oh, <laughs> mm, I've been to I've been to Paddley's at Sleaford one Saturday morning. This is during Foot and Mouth, which would be what two thousand and one, perhaps. And we had to pull uh, poultry place at Paddley's and drop a tank, and then you go under gantry, take. F- fill a pipe out, it was obviously, you know, giblets, guts, whatever, and then we'd drop lids down and just pull forward, drop and swap, put yours under, there they go, they can carry on. Then, climb up, shut your lids, everything. <laughs> Great, marvellous. And then, rock it back to A1 at Newark, and then, you know, we'd get up to Finninley or Oakley or whatever we were currently injecting, which was great that Saturday morning, apart from it was pouring down. So, um, in my uh, enthusiasm to get back in and get eater on, I'd forgotten the crucial step here anyway so we we rattled on to newark right to roundabout where know-how is now at newark by showground and had to stop a bit handy so we did at which point thirty thousand liters of giblets and beaks and bits and pieces must have shot forward at the front baffle and then gone the only way they could go which is up over the, the top lid at the front 
Okay. The lead probably, <laughs> shot, probably shot about 150 feet into air and started raining down on the roof of this scania. I thought, what the hell's this? You know, the pitter patter of tiny feet, but uh, <laughs> and beaks and eyes. Uh, yeah. So think on. You think I have catastrophes these days? Well, this were in the middle of foot and mouth, and I'm in an inconspicuous little tanker that's spewing blood and guts vertically into the sky, and it's raining down all over cabin, all over tank, and down onto the road. You can imagine, can't you? Mm. Being from farming stock, I thought I'm about ten seconds away from being murdered, lynched, arrested, or all three. So. Had to get onto A1 to that lay-by by sugar beet plant with big uh, lake, and all I got was a flask of hot water, rain coming down, and my towel. So we went into adrenaline mode, and I'm up on tank, and I'm sort of shaving this stuff off tank with my towel in a wrap around my hands, and it's pouring down. I think, come on, keep raining, you bugger, keep raining, and I'm I'm just scraping this stuff down, and you know lids are down. I'm thinking, right, it's fine, it's going to wash off, it's going to wash off, and it was really raining. I thought, yeah, we've got this cracked. So I set off then, up to Blythe, to come off to go into Bawtree and get up to where we were uh, blowing this stuff into field tanks. Sun came out. It mm-hmm. would, wouldn't it, really? It really Followed would. by a flock of seagulls, were you? Yep, yep. <laughs> and bearing in mind at the time I parked in my friend's yard up here, I kept this tanker at home in Homeforth, and I parked in his yard at Sovereign Agricultural Service, a tractor dealer. And, um, you know, they got the obligatory bit of wet carpet in the gate then, you know, it, Everybody had some oh, yeah, disinfectant it was carpet. TCP all over it. Yeah, <laughs> this will stop it. I rang up. I had at least I had the foresight to ring Tim and Anthony up, and I said, "Chaps, we've had a bit of an incident." And they said, "If you come back here in that," <laughs> I says, "All oh, right, I can see your point." So obviously, you know, foot and mouth had a kicked off in our valley. The week after Silly Boy here, it come home in a blood-covered tanker, like two and two would have been put together and seven made. But you know. It was chicken waste, I promise you. But I had to find a home for it that weekend, so I went and hid it somewhere in Halifax, and they very kindly washed it for me over the weekend. So when I picked it up Monday morning, all my nightmares had gone. But after that, I tell you what, you never leave a lid open. Definitely not. Well, I think on that note, I think we have got plenty enough <laughs> to be going on with for this episode. Inspiring tale. Aye, so we'll think we'll if leave it. every episode had a title, this could be giblets. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Right, right, on that note, I will say thank you, Chris, and I will catch up with you next week. I bid you farewell, sir. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.